Beyond the Battle podcast. We have made it to double digits. I know it has been a long time since the last episode. I apologize again. It's been about a month. Been navigating my new role as church consultant with Covenant Eyes. That's been going great. And happy to be able to continue doing the podcast as well. Someday, I promise, I'll get back to a more regular, like every other week sort of schedule. But have a really awesome episode for you today. Different, uh, switching it up. We have a guest today. Going to be interviewing Damon Seacott. He has committed his life to a life of singleness and celibacy and following Christ. And so it's uh, going to be a very rich conversation, both for singles and married, to hear for us married folks in the church. Uh, how can the church, how should the church handle the topic of singleness and how should we? interact with singles and and i think for singles especially it's just going to be a great point of relatability and here's some here's someone who's been walking this road for a long time i'm going to kind of skip the mailbag today because what i'm doing in the interview is bring back an old question from a few episodes ago asked about singleness that i gave my married guys answer to and so you're going to want to hear damon's answer about singleness uh, from his own perspective but for future episodes definitely want to invite you to use the mailbag you can send your mail to podcast at beyondthebattle.net also on twitter at battle underscore podcast a few resources to give you beyondthebattle.net are seven week small groups that i lead for men who are I don't even want to say struggling with sexual sin. I mean, we all are. That's the whole point. But really, men who just want to be stronger in their faith, stronger in their walk when it comes to the sexual temptation that every single one of us face. So check that out at beyondthebattle.net. We'll have new round of groups starting in the middle of January, so you don't want to miss out on that. And also, if you are not already using Covenant Eyes, two months for free. Why not give it a shot? Two months for free at coveyes.com slash beyond. Without further ado, let me walk us into our interview with Damon Seacott. Well, as I mentioned, we have our very first guest on the Beyond the Battle podcast. Everyone's just had to put up with me by uh, this whole time by myself, so finally we have a not in studio, friend, but uh, Damon Seacott and I are chatting via Skype today. I am in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, Damon, why don't you uh, jump in and just tell us a little bit about yourself. And I think I know where you're talking to me from, from Indianapolis, but correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but just introduce yourself to the, I always say people are intimidated to email their questions into the show because we have billions billions of podcast listeners it's 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 really not billions um so don't be intimidated but uh introduce yourself to us and uh just tell us a little bit about yourself sure thing um my name is damon i am in indianapolis indiana right now i uh have been here um the last year uh helping um with my sister who has cancer and that's been a privilege to be able to do that I, uh, I grew up on a, a beef and dairy farm here in Indiana uh, in a Quaker family and have maintained my 
uh, Quaker traditions and and love that aspect of my faith. I um, uh, went to Indiana University and then Ball State for my graduate work and uh, have worked in higher education since 1988. Before that, I was in mental health for a bit. And uh, uh, at Spring Arbor University, I've been, I was there from 1992 until uh, December of last year. And the last 12 years of that time, I was the chief of staff for the university, and which meant I ran the day-to-day operations of the university and worked directly with the president and the board of trustees. And uh, that was a great experience. And um, for my life, I have, uh, back in, when I was 23, I decided to be single and uh, live my life uh, in a simple life. And uh, that's what I've done. That's awesome. So you were in Michigan for a long time. That's I was. where I am now. Uh, so we got we got a lot of Mich- pure Michigan uh, stuffed into you. You uh, versus your your Indiana years, but I see you've you've gone back home. You don't like uh, winter seven months out of the year. It's uh, you you like normal. Uh, I grew up in Ohio where there's four seasons of the year, unlike Michigan where there's winter for over half the year and then you know some summer mixed in there but that's about it (laughs) so yeah man well that's awesome thank you so much and um so you said that when you were 23 you decided to be single and that's you know one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the podcast is because in my book beyond the battle which is the name of this podcast i talk a lot about well the subtitle of my book is a man's guide to his identity in Christ in an over-sexualized world. And I try throughout the book to always speak towards single men and married men, and different things apply in different ways. But one thing I was always frustrated with when I was single was all the books I read on, you know, there's different sort of lingo we use for it, but sexual purity, for lack of a better word, sexual purity books I read, they were all geared towards married guys, and usually the solution to the problem was, oh, go and get married, you know, that sort of thing. And I feel like the church has, I don't want to put words in your mouth, I've just experienced this myself, and I've experienced it with counseling singles, where singles can often feel uh, ostracized in in the church, and and my church tradition is different than yours, so I'll I'll be curious to to get into that with you. Um, But it's hard, I think, as a married guy for singles to take me seriously sometimes <laughs> because they say, oh, yeah, you have a wife. You know, who are you to talk about, you know, staying sexually pure and, and that sort of thing? So walk me and listeners through a little bit that decision you made to be single and celibate. And what was that decision like? And, and I guess why did you make it? And what has it been like since then? Okay. Well, um, had a great college experience, loved being at IU, um, and uh, was well involved with uh, ministry there uh, and um, around the state of Indiana. Um, When I got done with school, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, and decided to spend time with one of my friends, um, who was the Christian singer Rich Mullins, and um, we did a lot of hiking and uh, just traveling around the country a bit, and uh, had the opportunity to just learn a lot from him and talk to him about um, 
how he lived his life and why. And out of that just came uh, the reality for me that uh, I felt called to uh, just invest in other people around me and to come alongside folks uh, for my life. And what I believed for me was I don't know that I had the strength and ability to be able to maintain a family and and a wife and kids and and at the same time f- fulfill that commitment of, of serving others around me. And so um, decided that that was uh, what I was being called to do. And I don't know that that's a strength or a weakness. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. I don't have the tenacity uh, to to be a husband. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, but I've loved my life. I've loved the opportunity to uh, to come alongside folks and um, care for them. And when somebody has kids that are struggling um, and they need to get them away from home for a bit, they can send them to me for uh, a couple months to be at a safe place and to, you know, uh, be able to walk along with them when somebody's struggling with uh, an issue in their life. Um, I can drop everything and, and go spend time with them if they need or mm-hmm. vice versa, come and hang out with me. And so um, I don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, my work life, my personal life, my married life, my family life. It's just me, you know. And um, so uh, that's how I've kind of lived my life and and um surprisingly the places i've worked uh, specifically in spring arbor for 25 years they were very supportive of that and loved that that was who i was and thought that was cool having somebody quirky like me i guess on staff <laughs> and um ended up spending a lot of time with our um male students um who were very intrigued with uh the whole idea of being single uh being in a christian school um, that's not the mentality for most folks in that uh, there's a lot of pressure actually to uh, be married. And um, and in the last few decades, uh, with the ratio 60% women and 40% men, um, <laughs> the guys, <laughs> guys have a lot of uh, opportunities and uh, they uh, can really explore that. So it was kind of uh, a unique thing to have somebody who was single and, and chose to be single um, and as an adult. And so um, that was a great opportunity for me. And the whole 25 years I was at Spring Arbor, I, I was privileged to live in community with male students and uh, just love that. And uh, that was just uh a great time in my life. I think it helped me to not become <laughs> old and crotchety and, <laughs> and uh, you know, self-centered and narcissistic. I think that, you know, having to, to live with 20-year-olds for 25 years uh, was just great for me. I mean, it challenged me and pushed me. And hopefully uh, I did the same for the young men who uh, chose to live with me. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who is single, you know, male or female, and they, they hear your story and they're saying, okay, you chose singleness. So you chose singleness. It was a decision you made. And they haven't chosen singleness, but they are single. So it's like singleness has chosen them unwillingly, and um, they're struggling with it. They're, you know, there's a longing they have to be married, and, and for whatever reason— they're not married. They're, they're in a season of singleness. Uh, what advice would you give to uh, someone 
who's in those shoes? I would encourage them to, through mentoring or counseling or whatever, they need to be working on uh, getting to a point where they're okay with being single, that they're okay with themselves, they're okay functioning on their own because the one of the the uh, brokenness of a marriage relationship is often um, the expectation mm-hmm. of the partner uh, to complete you or to you know envelop you or whatever. Yeah. And um, I think that you have to be okay being single. And that doesn't mean that you have to accept that you're always going to be single, but you need to be okay with yourself. You need to be okay within your own skin. Because if you're not, your partner is probably not going to be okay with you at some point because you're not complete. You're not, you know, you're not mm-hmm. living a life where God is working through you and, and you're hitting on all cylinders and everything like that. You're constantly looking for something else. And oftentimes when people do get married, their spouse doesn't fulfill some of the expectations they have. And then that creates a whole bunch of other different issues and, and those yeah. kind of things. So I that that would be my my first encouragement to them is to get to be okay being single and then after that i think living your life fully and completely yeah. and being involved and and reaching out and helping folks and serving people and um interacting with uh, all types of people old people young people kids mm-hmm. you know being healthy in your relationships and not be um I'm very much against uh, dating apps and, and all those kind of things. Yeah. So that's just a mess I have. But I, I think that you find the person to spend the rest of your life with by living your life and allowing people to see who you are and not being uh, in a situation where you're trying to be somebody um, because that's dangerous as well. Um but just being yourself. And I think as you do that, you're going to come along uh, side people who uh, are interested in you and want to get to know you. And then, you know, hopefully there's somebody who will be like, hey, you know what? I could put up with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you bring up a great point that there's this assumption. Well, there's the old, I think it's from Jerry Maguire. Um, the line you complete me and this idea that we have that a romantic relationship will complete us and we often look at marriage that way and i hear marriage talked about in church that way and i write a fair amount about my testimony uh in beyond the battle where i almost got a divorce three years in to my marriage and the main reason was you know my wife didn't complete me and there was things i was expecting from her that uh, I felt like I was entitled to because I had done things God's way. And I was really expecting my wife to give me a a sense of validation and approval that only Jesus really could give me. And it it hit me after the fact that two halves don't make a whole. And if someone like you you mentioned has to become a whole person once they're single, and I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it feels like if you become a whole person when you're single— and you stay single, you're still a whole person. And if you become a whole person when you're single and then you get married, you you bring that whole personhood into your marriage. And so both both options are good options at that point because your wholeness came from a source in Christ that can't be taken away, it can't be changed, 
Whereas I just see a lot of couples, and I was one of these, where, man, it, it fluctuated so much based on the circumstances of my marriage. And so I was about to tap out. I was about to say, like, this idol in my life isn't fulfilling me, so I'm going to go find, you know, a new idol in my life. And I think a lot of singles look towards marriage. I know I did when I was single. Um, we look towards marriage to be that fulfillment that, you know, it's it, it never actually can be. Right. I agree. For you, um, what I'm hitting on is from my background in the evangelical world that I grew up in. I feel like in the evangelical, and I guess Spring Arbor would fall into that as well, um, I, I think. Um, evangelical world, we sort of idolatrize marriage. Um, we, we put it on a pedestal. I think we stigmatize people that aren't married. I'm not overly familiar with the Catholic tradition, but I know, obviously, in the Catholic tradition that priests, they commit to a vow of celibacy and singleness, and as do nuns. So there's that value placed on it in the church. I'm, I'm curious, in the Quaker tradition, where there was singleness talked about? How was singleness treated? Was it... Uh, were there others who are making commitments to singleness the way you did? You know, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't say that it's a uh, high percentage, but I think within the French church, we talk a lot about the simplicity of life and the importance of being uh, a complete person yeah. with Jesus Christ as the most influential aspect of your life. And, um, the whole idea of being genuine and being authentic and being yourself is very much important. And that really allowed me uh, to be comfortable in being single. And um, a lot of my friends who are Quakers, they didn't rush out and get married right away. They were okay being single. Um, the friends that I ran around with in college I think the the earliest one somebody got married was five years after college. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that was just because it, the emphasis of you need that partner for the rest of your life and you need it right now. That just wasn't talked about in church at all for me yeah. growing up. It was just much more your relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, um, you may get married, you may not, but just being yourself is what, what is key. Yeah. And I'll make a distinction uh, for anyone listening out there. I, you know, in the, in the secular world or whatever, whatever word you want to use, it's becoming more common to get married later. But in that sense, the singles are sleeping around with people. They're, they're not getting married because they don't want to commit to one person. And this is a very different type of waiting on marriage, it sounds like. It, it, it sounds more like uh, I'm with Jesus. I'm whole in Jesus. And if I get married, I do. If I don't, I don't. Um, and so obviously, uh, you know, I, I know, I know that's, that's where you're coming from. And I think I find that because usually there's one or two options. You either get married when you're 21, which is what, which is what I did, or you have people who are sleeping around and then, uh, they might get married, you know, later, later in life, but their, their reasons for getting married later were, are very different than someone who's actually content 
you know, in their singleness, which is what I hear you describing. Yes. Yeah. And I should have clarified. I, I was, um, my twenties were in my eighties, uh, excuse me, were in the eighties, <laughs> I hear you. in my, yeah. in, in the eighties. So it yeah. was a different time, uh, yeah. definitely a different time. And I think for right now, <laughs> I think with young men, um, my my situation uh, is not necessarily one that's unique. I think a lot of young men are not rushing off into marriage. Unfortunately, they're going the way that you have described, and that they're right. promiscuous and and they're um, you know they're involved sexually uh, out of marriage. But um, I think that that commitment uh, and that need for that commitment has weighed a bit in in our in our society especially yeah and then you also have young men today obviously pornography is such a different dynamic today than it was in the 80s with you know the internet and and how much pornography is there and there's all kinds of studies being done on what this massive pornography use so my testimony is seventh grade through college i was looking at pornography on the family computer now you have kids getting smartphones and you can get pornography on the video game systems. There's pornography in video games now. And the, the, the level and the intensity of the pornography, it's, it's almost becoming normal in our society, which is very scary. And then, you know, there's, there's things it's doing to men where they're, oh, I'm not interested in marriage because I have all this porn. And, um, all that to say, I, I think for listeners who are single to, to know how, how different the type of singleness is that we're talking about here, where uh, I believe that whether you're in a, a marriage that's maybe a difficult marriage, um, where there's not the intimacy that you, you hope there would be or whatever it may be, or you're, you're single, I believe that our relationship with Christ and our relationship with the church can make us whole and really provide those needs we have for intimacy where we don't have to look for it from promiscuity or from uh, pornography, whereas I think many today are, they see pornography almost as a given. If I'm single, well, of course I'm going to look at pornography uh, because, I, because I'm not married. Um, so that was me kind of rambling for a little bit there, Damon, but um, any thoughts on that, particularly as you, you know, you worked with college students for a very long time and and as you know, um, particularly in that in that age, it's something that college students are dealing with. And um, what kind of advice would you give to someone struggling with pornography who's single? Well, it, like you pointed out, today is just a new day. I mean, back in the '80s and before that, uh, there was um, there was you had to make a conscious choice. Yeah. You almost had to be visible yeah. to uh, for pornography because you had to go buy the magazines or you had to go to the whatever kind of stores and all those kind of things you know and then today there's so much anonymity in that you know you do you just pick up your phone and click 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 and you're there and i think that for young men who are trying to be pure sexually um, that they need to do whatever it takes uh, to avoid falling into that because it does become a, a situation where you feel like it's controlling you. 
And, you know, I've met with young men who they were vibrant, dynamic personalities, you know, when college started out. And then, you know, a year in, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they've caught up into the pornography and they've lost their soul. And I know yeah. that's a strong statement, but they really are. They're just kind of zombie-like, you know, yeah. they just kind of walk around and, and they're really, you know, and they live for, you know, going back to the you know, to the room and doing whatever they're going to do. And um, it's almost like it feels like a vampire kind of thing mm. in that they just they they need that to sustain them. And when they get to that point, um, they probably aren't going to be able to handle it on their own. And that's where I think, you know, uh, organizations like Covenant Eyes and then, you know, people who are uh, studying, uh, you know, not just sexuality, but, but sexual dysfunction and, and, uh, sexual aggression. And I, I think that it's important to have in discussions with folks who are trained so they can help you deal with your appetite mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and, and work with that. Um, you know, I have, you know, through the years I had guys who would like, you know, if I'm in a bad situation or in the middle of the night or I'm tempted to do something, I'm going to call you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, and of course they would never call because when they are in that situation, mm. they want to be in that situation. So right. they're not going to call, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And then, then when I'd ask them, you know, then it would turn around and it'd be like, well, you're not trusting me and, and you're, mm. you know, you're on me and, and I don't like this anymore because you're being too uh, confrontive with me and it's like and I just ask a question <laughs> so uh, I think that you know we need to appreciate the fact that uh, pornography for for college guys you know ages and 20s and stuff it's a point where they're going to have to have help getting through it because yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to do it on their own and reality is they've probably been doing it for you know, six years maybe yeah. when they get to college even. So, you know, you're talking about a decade of abuse of your heart, mind, and soul yeah. and body. And um, so I think that we're at that point where um, you have to have some things in place. And college campuses need to take responsibility for that too and that they need to have opportunities for their men and women now yeah, with pornography so, yeah. uh, to uh, to to get the support that they need. And it can't be light support. It can't be just, you know, it's got to be difficult questions. It's got to be difficult conversations and it's got to be discipline. I mean, that's something that people don't like these days. They don't want to be disciplined at something, but you're not going to break that pattern uh, unless you are disciplined. Yeah. Well, you think about discipline and it's a great word because we often think of it like the punishment with discipline. But discipline is what uh, it's what makes the best athletes in the world the best athletes in the world. They have discipline in their lives. It's what makes the best musicians in the world the best musicians in the world because they have discipline in their lives. They train themselves. And I think of the text. I can't remember the references off the top of my head, but where Scripture says, train yourselves to be godly. And this is an active discipline. And, yeah, when it comes to pornography – particularly the culture today has shifted so much that if we don't have intentional discipline, we're going to get eaten alive by it. And that's a, that's a great point you bring out. I, 
I know for me, when I was in the middle of my struggle, I wanted out so badly and I couldn't figure out how to get out. And my hope is that those listening that are looking at pornography, that they want to get out. That's the Holy Spirit living inside of you is convicting you and saying, this is messing you up and you you should you need to get out um, to reach out for help and to not. It's sad, but it's it's no longer that you're um, you're not in the minority anymore. If you're if you're struggling, it it really is a common struggle. So I'll throw in a couple of quick resources here while we're on that topic. Um, one of them you mentioned Covenant Eyes. If you want to do two months for free of Covenant Eyes, you can do that at uh, coveyes.com/beyond. That's c o v eyes.com/beyond. And that'll get you going on two months for free. Uh, and also we'll mention that all of the Covenant Eye software is switching over to screen accountability March 5th. That's been announced, and you can get on that beta version early through their website. So what that means is not only will my accountability partner get my list of websites I went to, they're going to get actual screenshots of places I visited. The screenshots are blurred out so that security isn't breached and so that if I went to something explicit, you know, that, that that isn't being sent to tempt my part my accountability partner. But I'm telling you, it is a it's a huge essential tool um to utilize. And I do hope that more and more college campuses, as you said, um take this very seriously because that's also a time of great change. It's a time when we're open to change and and God is really working on us. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, with that, too, if anybody wants to do seven weeks with me about overcoming pornography or just sexual sin in general, um, beyondthebattle.net is a good place to go for that. So back to back to singleness. Um, I have a question here, Damon, from one of my listeners. And I normally do a mailbag segment on the podcast. I think I tried to answer this one a few episodes ago as a married guy. And uh, I don't think I did a very good job. <laughs> so I'm going to spring it on you, okay? You ready All for right. it? All right. Yes. I'm going to read his whole uh, email. It's a little, maybe a little long, but uh, I'll repeat the, the question at the end that I think is most um, most prevalent, I think, within this. So uh, this is from Kenneth, and he says, what does living, quote, beyond the battle look like in long-term singleness. I use the term long-term singleness because even though a large percentage of people get married, the odds of getting married in the near future for him is slim. Those of us who are single need to commit to walking in purity, sobriety, holiness for the long term. Perhaps a related question could be, and here's where I think uh, we'll spend our time, Some of the advice singles are given about sexual purity may feel like simply, quote, stuffing sexual desires. When taken to its full conclusion, this might suggest living asexually. How should singles relate to their sexuality and or steward the gift? The easy answer of, quote, get married and stop asking such hard questions, unquote, can seem rather trite. So I'll let you breathe that in for a second, Damon. I did not give Damon a heads up that I was going to ask him these things. 
So I think the root of that question is um, some of the advice singles are given about sexual purity may feel like simply stuffing sexual, sexual desires. When taken to its full conclusion, this might suggest living asexually. How should singles relate to their sexuality and or steward the gift? All right. Take your time. <laughs> yeah. I think that, um, first of all, single folks need to be okay with their sexuality and they need to explore it, but not bringing in another person and not doing things that are unhealthy or, or sinful or pornographic, but just realizing they are a sexual person and understanding what that means and understanding, you know, when they are feeling sexual and, and understanding the physical aspects of, of their body that would cause them to, to become aroused and all those kind of things. I think that that's important for a single person to do and not avoid because mm-hmm. that doesn't do any good to avoid. Sure. And yeah. that's what gets a lot of people in trouble because they do avoid. And so I think, you know, appreciating the fact that you do have a sexuality, I think also then helping um, yourself understand where sexuality fits in. Um, My big concern with uh, folks who identify themselves in a certain way sexually, um, that it's their whole identity. And Mm. I believe that your sexuality is not your whole identity. It's an aspect of, of your life. It's not, yeah. it's not who you are. Yeah. And so I think that for single folks, as they walk through their sexuality, they need to put it in perspective and they need to, to have help with that if they're having trouble with that. But um, it is definitely something that's a big deal in our lives. And the younger folks are going to struggle with it more than the older you get. I mean, the older you get, your sexuality is, is more you know, understand, understood and, and uh, a little easier to control maybe as far as who you are. But um, I think another thing for single folks to do is, you know, instead of going to pornography, which puts sexuality in a, in, in a pretty perfect or, you know, exaggerated situation, they need to think through what sex and sexuality is, mm-hmm. you know, when they do move to being married and, and it's, it's okay to do that. And that the whole idea of, you know, the person next to you's breath stinks in the morning and they maybe <laughs> make weird noises in the middle of the night yeah. and keep you awake or they, you know, and, you know, they get on your last nerve and they are interested in doing something with you sexually and you're not interested in them. I mean, we don't talk about that stuff. Right, um, right, right, right. And so I think single people need that perspective so they understand that, you know what, I, I'm i not being punished mm-hmm. because I'm not having sex. I, I am in the situation in my life where I am single and this is how I am going to live my life and how can I do that healthily in a healthy way. And I think, you know, St. Francis and, you know, some other folks uh, over the centuries have had great insight and great wisdom, you know, and Paul in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, that's not just people having sour grapes and saying, oh yeah, it's great. And, 
and I appreciate the fact that sometimes people give too easy answers or flip answers that are annoying. <laughs> and that's why I would say, well, don't be passive, you know, come back at them and say, no, I want a straight answer. I want a good answer. And if you can't give it to me, help me find somebody who can help me, you know, and I think that, you know, a single person talking to a friend who is in a healthy marriage, having a healthy sex life, that's a great conversation to have with them. Mm -hmm. You know, same sex people talking. I think right, that needs right. to be a significant thing. But and then I think also then talking to other single people about, you know, how do you how do you live your life as a single person? You know, what what what, what is your life filled with? Yeah. You know, and making sure that you're not spending a lot of time just sitting around whining and, and <laughs> like video games and stuff like that yeah. because, you know, I am not married. It's like, you know, I'm not going to be interested in somebody as a married partner who have, are not fulfilled and developed and, and having a great life and living a great life. I mean, that's just a, a, something that single people sometimes forget. You know, you can't just depend on your looks or your personality. You know, you need to have a life. You need to be, you know, a complete person if somebody's really going to be interested in you. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. And I think about that guy sitting alone in his apartment playing video games, you know, and, and I think of the isolation that can happen when you're single. And you make a great point of saying, hey, if you you have to be someone having living like a real life if if you if you want to kind of attract a spouse in general but i also think well, you know damon when i look at your life i i i hear someone when i talk to you i hear someone who lives a full life you know you're you're someone who's living a full life and i think there's a lot of single people who are not living a full life you know they're probably more guys this way but it's it's sitting around playing video games. Not, not. Um, there's types of intimacy out there that aren't just romantic intimacy. We're wired for relationship. We're wired for community, and these sorts of things. And and so, I'm going to use that to segue. And and frankly, as a married person, and I write about this in Beyond the Battle. I don't knock marriage. Marriage is good. So is singleness. They both have their benefits. They both have their struggles. I think Satan's biggest deception is he he gets all the single people to want to be married and he gets all the married people to want to be single and nobody's ever content <laughs> with where they are and the gifts you know that they've been given but as a married guy you were saying this earlier in the interview where it's very hard for me to go hang out with anybody at night because I have three young kids and I have responsibilities to put them in bed and to help around the house and you know these sorts of things and uh, I sometimes I don't want to say in a sinful way, but I, I I do envy the freedom that single people have to go and be in community and be social and go minister and go help people. And when I hear single people who aren't doing that, they're just sitting around playing video games. I'm like, no, like you have to be the one that does it. Like I can't go do it. We need you, you know, to go do it. So, um, in sort of an indirect way, I'm going to use that to transition into my last question. And that is just, what advice would you give, Damon, to the church on how the church should handle singles and singleness? Okay. My, my guidance to the church would be, don't. <laughs> my, church, my advice to the church is, 
focus on community, focus yeah. on understanding that people have to work into the community and figure out how they fit in. And as a single person or as a married person or as a divorced person or a widowed person, you know, I mean, I think that it kind of goes back to the whole, I think of what's your identity, you know, don't pull singleness out as your identity. Cause it's not, yeah. um, there are going to be special needs and special things that, you know, you may need to spend some time talking with someone about. And today in our culture, we've gone from, you know, Christians being anti-counseling and anti-medication for stuff to where now, you know, I think 80% of college students have had some type of a mood inhibitor or something like mm-hmm. that by the time they get to the score. You know, don't, don't quote me on that. I don't know, yeah, but yeah, it's no, high, very yeah. high. And so you've got folks who, you know, they're anxious, they got personality disorder, they got this, they got that, you know, I mean, they can get anything going on. And so all of that kind of stuff pulls in and starts to affect who you are and how you live out your life and how you live out your faith. And in a church, I think that we need to look at how do we walk through with our folks in living in community and when we have folks who are single, I think that you need to have opportunities for them where they're doing things with married folks, where they're doing things with other people of the same sex and and not the opposite sex, but they're having that opportunity to women do things as women, men doing things as men, and not being exclusive and saying, okay, well, all the male guys that are single, they're going to go do this. And then all the females that are single, they're going to go do this, you know, those kind of things. Because some churches get the idea of like, okay, our singles ministries need to be unique in that we don't want to be a dating thing. So we're going to have single women and single men and they're going to do their things and that kind of, and so it, it just gets really crazy. And I think that, you know, the whole idea of looking at it is, you know, and like make everybody in your church read Bonhoeffer's life together mm-hmm. and then start to realize that, okay, there's a lot of, a lot of junk in that I need to be loving that person next to me, even though I can't stand them <laughs> and that kind of thing. And it's like that kind of stuff, I think gives people much more energy and much more meat to hold on to and to, to grasp than you know, having it where you're talking about, well, what, do, what do you feel like tonight? Because you're, you know, you don't have somebody to go home to. I mean, you know, I mean, you can talk about that with your friends and stuff like that. But I think with the church, the church needs to be about helping us develop our whole life. And so we have a soul that's vibrant and dynamic. And uh, so that that's my answer. Yeah, that's super helpful. I was just thinking about this as we were wrapping up. I have a mailbag on the show. It's a podcast at beyondthebattle.net. And whether he likes it or not, uh, Damon is going to be my phone a friend. So if you have any, uh, if you have, if you hear this interview and if you want to ask Damon any questions about singleness, um, I'll give my crack at him as well. But I just think there's something really awesome and authentic about someone who's intentionally living, Damon, the way you are in, in this life of singleness and, and following Christ. And so if you want to email the mailbag just and you want uh, Damon to answer it, I won't uh, have him back on uh, and, you know, to answer every single question, but I will uh, shoot him the email and see what he thinks, and I'll, and I'll relay the answer. 
you know, to listeners, because one thing I want this podcast to be is just a place where you know you're not alone. And granted, it's just a podcast. It's not like we're really hanging out person to person. But I just think so many who are struggling with sexual sin, relational sin, struggling in their marriages, struggling in singleness, with pornography, whatever it is, with sexuality, just feel alone. And I just want to normalize that I think uh, this is an area of our discipleship. This is just a normal part of our discipleship. And so uh, we need to talk about it. And so use the mailbag for that. And um, that's, that's really what what this podcast is for. So Damon, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and being transparent and vulnerable with billions of listeners to this, uh, this podcast. (laughs) Uh, It's been really, really awesome. So thank you, friend. I hope you were blessed by that interview with Damon. I certainly was. Uh, Please take me up on that offer to reach out to him or me via email podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Reiterating what I said before, the point of this podcast is to get to talk about these issues in real ways. This is real life. You are not alone in this struggle. So with that, I will close down the episode. You can get more from the book Beyond the Battle, A Man's Guide to His Identity in Christ in an Oversexualized World, Seven Week Small Groups, beyondthebattle.net. I will talk to you next time. Know that you are not alone and there is a true level of freedom from sexual temptation that you can attain i promise you you can feed off of jesus to find what you are looking for from sexual temptation he will be there for you to fill you up to make you whole to nourish you he loves you i love you we'll talk to you next time